one of my prayers is every time that we leave this place that we would come away loving the Lord Jesus more. And I think one of the ways he uses that is through music. So thank you, Lynn. Isn't it wonderful that we can worship and just reflect on him, on who he is as we praise him through song and through music. Well, friends, I sure love you and I bless you in the name of Jesus. And I would love it if you would turn with me to the book of John, chapter 4. We're going to be looking today in the gospel of John. And I want to remind you of something this morning that is so exciting. And here's what it is. Is that by believing in the Lord Jesus we get to experience life. We get to experience life. In fact, that is one of the things that John really wanted to communicate to us when he wrote his gospel. He talks about in John chapter 20, verse 31, that these things have been written to us so that way we would believe in Jesus and in believing in him, we would have life in his name. Amen? I'd like to pray one more time and then we're going to dive in into John chapter 4. So would you pray with me? Father, we love you, and you are so righteous, you are so holy, and we want to have tender hearts this morning. Father, we want to trust you completely as we read your word. We, we believe this word. We know that this is coming straight from you. Whenever we read these, these pages and we read what is written to us, we know that this is coming from your heart. And so this is exactly uh, the opportunity that we have this morning, that we get to take it we get to receive it. And Father, I pray that our hearts would be like soft, tender soil, ready to let it go deep within us so that way we can let it shine. That way we can let your word shine forth and let this grow within us. And so, Father, we believe, we have faith, and we're excited to spend time in your presence this morning. We praise you for Jesus, and it's, his, and it's in his name I pray. Amen. Did you know that the word believe appears over a hundred times in the book of John? He must have really wanted us to get an idea that belief was pretty major. In John chapter 6, these fellas and ladies are listening to Jesus preach. And this is the time whenever Jesus is preaching on the mountain. And they're wanting some more food. And they're wanting some more bread. And they're listening to him. And he starts talking. And they ask him in verse 28 of John 6, they said, what shall we do so that we may work the works of God? And Jesus said, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. This, this is what God wants for us is to believe in the Lord Jesus. This is where everything hinges upon this in our life. True life comes from belief in the Lord Jesus. There is no alternative. We can't experience what real life is all about unless we place our faith, and our trust in the Lord Jesus. Amen? And what is so wonderful about this is that with belief comes some wonderful things. By believing in him, we receive incredible things. And I want to show you some of those things. I'm not going to have you turn. I don't want your fingers to get a workout just yet. But I'm going to show you some things. And if you want some good reminders, I'm going to ask you to write this down. Now, we're just going to stick around in the book of John. Here is how wonderful John is. You can literally just spend time in that particular gospel and receive such amazing truths about who Jesus is. If all we had was the book of John, wow, that would, even that would be enough. Get ready for this. You could think to yourself, what does belief, what does this mean for me? Well, I'll tell you. One of the things that comes with belief is that you become a child of God. 
John 3, 16, we know what happens whenever we believe. We become his child. It also talks about in John chapter 3 that we avoid judgment, that by belief in Jesus, we avoid judgment. It's not up there yet. I really want you to get this. Brad, is it, is it coming? You got another? That's okay. Really listen. John 3 talks about that we avoid judgment by belief in Jesus. Isn't that nice? That should make us go, whew, avoid judgment. You realize we are all guilty of sin. But Jesus says, believe in me, you're going to avoid that judgment. Boy, that should respond with a yippee, a boom shakalaka, a yay. <laughs> Jesus says in John chapter 11, that when we believe in him, that we later will become partakers of the resurrection. Whoa. Fantastic. How about this? By believing in Jesus, we possess the Holy Spirit. Simply by belief, John chapter 14 talks about that we possess, or excuse me, chapter 7, that we possess the Holy Spirit. How about this? John chapter 12, that we are delivered from darkness by our belief in Jesus. That's 1246. We are delivered from darkness. And finally, John mentions in the 14th chapter that we are empowered for service when we believe. We are empowered by service or for service. With belief comes some wonderful truths in our life. And we can see how vital it is to believe in the Lord. And yet, there are so many people who don't believe. They simply refuse to believe in the gospel. They refuse to believe the truth about Jesus. How heartbreaking. And as I was studying, I was reading John MacArthur's commentary on John chapter 4, and he lists that there's four types of unbelief. And the first one is that some people don't believe in the Lord because of lack of exposure. There it is. Hey, fantastic. Lack of exposure. In other words, they just have not been exposed to the gospel. They have no idea what it is. They haven't grown up around it. They, when we talk about it, they are just clueless because they, don't, they maybe just haven't spent time around people who've talked about the Lord. Maybe they haven't spent time just in a church environment. Because of their lack of exposure to God, they don't know to believe. The second key thing is this. Some people refuse to believe because they lack information. They want to know more. Certain personalities in this room, before we dive into something, we, we want to know all the facts. Whenever we are getting a new vehicle, maybe we're looking at getting a new house, uh, maybe we're wanting to uh, propose to somebody, we want to know everything there is to know so that way we can know that we're making the right choice. So there's different personalities that really struggle with this. They really want to know as much information as they can get about the Lord. So sometimes that causes people to say, mm, I don't know, I don't know. Another thing is that for some people, there's a lack of evidence, so they refuse to believe. These are the kind of people who say, well, unless I can see it, I'm not going to believe it. Unless I see a miracle, unless I see something happen, uh, I need a, a sign in the sky for me to believe the truth of the gospel. I, I've met people like that. Sometimes students are, are very quick to say, like, well, Daniel, you know, I don't ever hear God speak to me audibly, so I don't really know if he's real. You know, we, we have these tendencies sometimes before we dive in, we want to be able to see it. But the fourth one is the scary one. The fourth one is this. Sometimes people show a lack of tenderness because they have a hard heart. Sometimes people hear about the gospel. 
Sometimes they're able to read God's word and they're able to see it and they just don't believe. They, they know about God. Maybe they are sitting in a church pew and they're, they're there and they just, they just don't want to believe. Because with belief, there comes a lot that comes with that, right? When we are saying that we believe in Jesus, what we're really saying is that we're taking everything that he has to offer for ourselves. We're saying, Jesus, if you are saying this, then I take it. If you say you're the only way, then I believe it. If you say you're alive, then I believe it. If you say that I'm a sinner and I'm in need of you, then I believe it. See, with a hard heart comes somebody saying, I'm good. I I don't need Jesus. And that's very, very scary. And whenever we dive in to John chapter 4, we can see that there are people, as we're going to see, who are just, they don't want to believe. They're listening to the Lord. They're hearing him talk, but they don't want it. But here's what's so amazing for us. It talks about in Romans chapter 10 that faith comes by hearing and hearing from the word of Christ. See, when we take God's word, when we, when we hear it, it's so crucial that we believe. And one of the things that Jesus did frequently whenever he would perform a miracle is later he would have these conversations with, with his crew, with his fellows, the 12 disciples. And a lot of times what he would be discussing with them was faith. He really wanted to build on their faith. And one of the purposes of miracles when we read in the New Testament was that our faith would be strong. Even then, Jesus was teaching about faith, and even now, our faith in him needs to be built and needs to be strong. Are you ready? Are you with me? Let's dive into John chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 43. We're going to talk about the royal official from Capernaum. Now, who was this official? Well, some scholars believe that this might have been Chusa, who Luke mentions, and I believe it's Luke 8. Some people believe this might be Manaean, who is mentioned in the book of Acts, but we, we don't know. We don't know who this royal official is. When we read in John chapter 4, the first half of it, we see that Jesus has been spending some time in Sychar, Now, you remember where Sychar is, right? That's in Samaria. Well, of course, for Jesus to be in Sychar, people were very just thinking, I'm sure, when they heard about it, like, what is Jesus doing there? Even as he was passing through, he meets a woman at a well, and she's thinking, what are you doing being a Jew talking to me? Well, of course, this is such a vital story in John chapter 4. We love reading about Jesus talking to the woman at the well, and some wonderful things happen. Will you go with me now and look in verse 43? It says, after two days, this is two days in Sychar, Jesus went forth from there into Galilee. For Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. Now, of course, Jesus was from that region, Galilee. And so it says here, as we just read, that the prophet doesn't have honor there. And yet we read in this next verse, When he came to Galilee, the Galileans received him. Now stop there. Jesus just makes it clear that by going there, he knows that he's not going to be received very well. And yet the next verse says that they received him. What's going on here? I'll tell you. The Galileans had been hearing about what Jesus was up to and what he was doing. And I'm sure they were excited for more of the magician aspect. Like, oh, here comes this healer. Here comes this miracle worker. 
but they were not ready for the Messiah. Are you with me? They wanted to see what they could get out of him, but they weren't ready for what he really had to give them. Verse 45, he came to Galilee, and the Galileans received him, having seen all the things that he did in Jerusalem at the feast, for they themselves also went to the feast. And therefore, he came again to Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And there was a royal official whose son was sick at Capernaum. Now, Capernaum is located north of the Sea of Galilee. Okay, Capernaum's going to be, when you look at the map of your mind, you can picture Israel. And if you think about the area of Galilee, you can maybe picture the Sea of Galilee. But where's Cana located? Well, Cana is going to be west of the Sea of Galilee, and it's about 16 miles away. Now, this is exciting for us because what we see here is that this royal official traveled miles to get to Jesus. This is some tremendous faith. This is excellent. This is, okay, great. He's traveling. He wants to find him. His son is sick at Capernaum. Verse 47, when he had heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and was imploring Jesus to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Now, here's one of the exciting things. I'm going to stop myself real quickly. These are the little reminders that we have that God's word is true. Did you notice one of the things that he implored him to do? To come down to Capernaum. Now, I just told you that Capernaum was north and that Cana was west. How could he come down to Capernaum whenever he's in Cana? Well, here's what's so exciting. Capernaum is located 700 miles below sea level. So in order to get into Capernaum, you have to make a descent down. It all makes sense, right? Now, some people might not care. I care because here's what it shows me. There's no errors in God's word. We can have faith that this is true. Of course, Jesus had to come down into Capernaum because it was below sea level. I think it's very exciting. So Jesus said, verse 48, unless you people see signs and wonders, you simply will not believe. Whoa, this seems like a rebuke, doesn't it? Jesus is just letting this guy have it. Well, when you look at the context, sure enough, that's what the Galileans were all about. They kept on wanting to see these signs. They wanted to see, okay, Jesus, do a magic trick, but they weren't really wanting him for who he was. And so Jesus is saying, you people are just wanting a sign. Two things is so interesting about this. By him imploring Jesus to come before his son dies, here's what we see. This royal official, he was a little bit confused on who, G on who Jesus really was, wasn't he? First off, he thought that Jesus had to be present in order for him to be healed. The second thing is that he thought, well, if Jesus died, or if the, the boy dies, then Jesus won't be able to, to help me. If the little boy dies, then, then that's it. And see, what's so crucial for us is that when we come to Jesus, we got to know a lot about him. We need, we need to know who we're talking to. Because so often we can come to the Lord and think things of him that are not true. You see how vital it is that we spend time knowing him so that way when we speak to him, my friends, we can know exactly who it is that we're talking to. Because our faith grows when we hear his words and build on that. 
And yet, here's what's so exciting. Many times when we read God's word, we see people have little faith. But I would much rather have little faith than zero faith. And so even if there is a little faith, the Lord will work with that. And that's why our faith must grow like a mustard seed. And so I'm so excited when I read this to see even this royal official whose faith at the moment is not very, very tall, God still works with them. Jesus gives this rebuke. Let's look at it again. Unless you people see signs and wonders, you simply will not believe. And the royal official said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. And Jesus said to him, Go, your son lives. And the man, here's this word, what did he do? He believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he started off. He said, go. Now, it's not like this gentleman just gets to go around the corner. It's not like he gets the news here in the church, and he goes next door to Brookshire's, and, hey, my, my son's okay. He's got a long journey, about 16 to 20 miles ahead of him. And as he was now going down, verse 51, his slaves met him, saying that his son was living, and he inquired of them the hour which he began to get better. And they said, yesterday, at the seventh hour, the fever left him. Whoa, how amazing. Glory to God. In that moment that Jesus said, your son is healed, we see that in verse 53, that the father knew that it was at that hour in which Jesus said to him, your son lives. And he himself believed in his whole household. This is again a second sign that Jesus performed when he had come out of Judea in the Galilee. At the moment that Jesus said, your son lives, that father knew that's exactly when he said it. What's so exciting is that he, he mentions to him, look at this with me again. In verse 52, he inquired of the hour when he began to get better. Now, that word better there in the original language is like a progression. Like, when did he start to improve? When did maybe things start to look better for him? And they go, oh, no, 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 no. It says, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. The word left him there means it was just gone. It, was, it left. It, there's no, like, remaining little bit. It was just, it vanished. Jesus totally vanquished that illness immediately. Because here's what happens. When Jesus says something, it happens. There is no, well, I wonder if Jesus says it, we can take it to the bank, friends. We know it's going to happen because he always keeps his word. Jesus always keeps his word. Remember when I mentioned that by believing in Jesus, you're taken out of darkness? He keeps his word. Remember whenever I mentioned that by your belief in him, that you will be a partaker of the resurrection, he's going to keep his word. You remember whenever I said that we possess his Holy Spirit whenever we believe? Do you know that he's kept his word? Do you know him in your heart? I know that you do. He never lies. And so as we think about the Lord Jesus, we see that he is so truthful. Now, one of the exciting things when we study this man, this royal official, is that he did show tremendous faith. Now, it mentions here that he was healed at the seventh hour. And if you look back in verse 50, this says that Jesus says, Go, your son lives. And the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he started off. 
Now, there's two possibilities. The first possibility is that this man could have left this area here at about 7 p.m., okay? Or that would be Roman time. Or he could have left around 1 p.m. Jewish time. Regardless, that when he meets the slaves and they run out to him, they consider it yesterday. He got healed yesterday. So what we see is two th- or two big things is that it took him a minute to get there, and he possibly had to wait overnight. If he left at 7 p.m. Roman time, well, we know that that would have been very dangerous for him to take this huge journey back over to Capernaum. So can you imagine the father having to wait maybe at an inn, maybe at a friend's house? It was a long enough journey, though, to where it took him to the next day to get there. How often do we begin to worry about things and to get stressed out about things when we already know what Jesus has told us? This man had to have tremendous faith, even in, even in the waiting. And here's some things I want to point out to you about this man. Some character is that he trusted in who Jesus was. When Jesus was in town, he knew that's where I'm running to. That's where I'm going. Even if I have to travel a tremendous distance, I wonder how far we would have to travel on foot if we knew that Jesus was literally standing somewhere close by. Would we travel to Alvarado on foot to get to Jesus? Would we start walking to Alabama if we thought Jesus was in Alabama? I wonder how far we would walk in order to get to Jesus. Well, 16 miles was enough for this gentleman, and so he went to him. He trusted, and he thought, that's where I'm going to go. Another thing was that he obeyed and listened to the voice of Jesus. When Jesus said, go, he could have said, "Ah, I don't know, I need that evidence Could you you give me something, some kind of sign in order for me to believe? And yet, we see that even after hearing Jesus say these words to him, go, we see that he went. Another key thing is that his life revealed that he had taken what Jesus had to say and he really believed it. Did you catch what it said in verse 53? Let's look at it again. The father knew that it was at that hour in which Jesus said to him, your son lives. And he himself believed and his whole household. There was evidence that he believed. Is there evidence in your life that you believe? When people are around you, when people listen to you speak, is there evidence that you have placed your faith in Jesus? I pray that that's the case. So I ask you, how does our faith in Jesus grow? If we're to be like this royal official, if we're to be someone who says, I want to believe, I I, want to take what Jesus has to say, how does our faith grow? A key thing is this, that we would trust the words of Jesus, that we would be hearers and doers of what his word has to say, that we would be quick, my friends, to say, I am going to do what he says that we would trust. So often there's worry. So often there is anxiety in our life. And yet we see how Jesus' words can be so calming, especially when we read things like Matthew chapter 11 about taking his yoke, coming to him when we're weary and we're burdened. What an invitation. When we read a, a red letter edition of the Bible, those words are in red. That means that this is Jesus saying this to us. How exciting that we can come to him and say, you know what? I'm going to take you up on your offer. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to rely on you. 
I'm going to put your yoke on myself. Another way our faith can grow and get stronger is we can remember what God has done. Don't you know that the stories in Galilee were just going around town and people were hearing, hey, did you hear what happened to the official son? Did you hear about this? Don't you know that people started to remember after Jesus had gone back into heaven? Don't you know people would tell stories and go, hey, do you remember that one time when Jesus was in Sychar and then he was in Cana? I mean, you know that people, long after Jesus had ascended back into heaven, people were still talking about what he had done. My friends, I know in my own life, I feel guilty about this sometimes, and that I don't talk about the victories of what Jesus has done in my own life enough. I think we can all get to the point where we can say, I want to talk about what Jesus has done. I think we all need to get there where we want to talk more and more and more about the victories of Christ in our own life. You know why it's so vital? Because it's an encouragement. Our faith grows when we remember what he has done. Another way our faith grows is when we rely on him to provide. When we're relying on ourselves to get through certain things or to fix our own problems, then, then we're going to be in a lot of difficulties. But whenever we are quick to say, God, I want to rely on you. I need you to help in this situation. That's going to build faith. Faith weakens, however, whenever we begin to worry. You want to see your faith go, worry. Worrying causes faith to weaken. We see so often when people would, would come to the Lord and they would be so anxious about something, he would, what would he tell them? He'd say, don't worry, keep believing. I think about Jairus, the, the man whose daughter was sick, his little 12-year-old daughter. And he was looking around and he was seeing all these things and the commotion and Jesus encouraged him. I think about the father who had a, a demon-possessed son, and he ran to Jesus. This took place right after Jesus had just performed on the Mount of Transfiguration, just an incredible miracle. And Jesus just encourages this man to still stand strong, have faith. Worry can absolutely cripple our faith. Our self-reliance, where we're relying on ourselves to get the job done. I, don't, I, I got this. I don't need to pray. I'll handle it. Let me think. That'll get my, my job done. I'll just think this one through. No, how about we get on our knees and say, I can't do it without you, Jesus. Our self-reliance can absolutely weaken faith. And a key thing is also unbelief, as we've been discussing. Just sheer unbelief. Oh, how the enemy loves to question God's goodness. You don't really think God's going to help you, do you? Why don't you just tackle this on your own? You, you are wasting your time. You, you know that God's not going to hear your prayer. See, these kind of lies, when we begin to give heed to them, it starts to stir an unbelief in our heart, and it just grieves the Lord. Our heart needs to be so tender to say, even in the midst of uncertainty, I'm going to trust that you keep your word. I would like for you to turn now to the book of 1 John. Book of 1 John. I want to show you something very exciting. 1 John chapter 3. Hey, Jaden. I love that little baby. 1 John chapter 3. I want to show you something very, very neat. 
See, what we see here is that our belief equals life. If you want to write that down, belief equals life. And here's what is so exciting for us is that if you're sitting here today and you're thinking, I know I believe, but I know that my faith needs to continue to grow, I'm right there with you. I believe, but I want a stronger faith. I want my faith to just keep growing and growing and growing. One of the things that helps that is whenever we talk to the Lord, whenever we go to him with our requests, is then finally if we just listen and wait and rest and rely on him to provide. First John chapter 3, I first want to show you verses 23 and then 24, and then we're going to jump back to verses 21, 23, 23, and 24. It's a little neat trick, but I want to show you how cool it is. We're going to start in verse 23 of First John 3. This is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he commanded us. The one who keeps his commandments abides in him, and he in him. And we know by this that he abides in us, by the spirit whom he has given us. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him, because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he commanded us. The one whom he keeps his commandments abides in him, and he in him. And we know by this that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given I love how it paints such a beautiful picture. Sometimes when you read verses out of order, it's kind of fun sometimes. It lets you see it in a very exciting light. By starting with keeping his commandments and then knowing that we abide in Christ and he in us, then, beloved, if our heart doesn't condemn us, then we know we have confidence before him and that what we ask, he hears us. That's so exciting to me. Friends, Do you love the Lord Jesus? Do you love his ways? Do you love his commandments? Do you love his people? Well, then here is what is so wonderful, is that when we get to that point in our life where we could say, Lord, I I love you. Lord, I love your ways. I love your people. Then we can come to him with confidence just like this royal official. We can come to him, my friends, with confidence. And then what we're able to do is when we lay our requests before him, we can trust that he will do what is right in his perfect will, in his loving, perfect will. What an honor that we have, that we, that you and me, literally us, even today in this room, can go to our Lord Jesus and lay our requests before him, our worries, our desires, our fears, our insecurities, and say, I need you. I need you. And we can have confidence that he hears us and that he's on our side. He's on our team. And what the confidence should bring us is that how he responds to us, we can be like that royal official and we can go in peace. We can live our life in peace. I want to be able to identify what Jesus has to say to me. I want to listen to his voice and then be obedient.
Don't you? Let's be like that royal official where when we find out information about Jesus, when we find out who he is and we find out his character, where we come away loving him more and more and we are more than willing to do whatever it is that he says. Because when we trust him and when we take what he, what he has to say, that's where life starts to happen. Believing in him equals life. Would you pray with me? Father, we love you, and there is nothing that we can do on our own. If we're looking for joy apart from you, we'll be empty. If we're looking for our needs met, oh, it might satisfy for a little bit, but if it, if it doesn't include you, we're going to be empty. Father, if we're struggling with unbelief, I pray that your word this morning would remind us that you're true, that you keep your promises, that you never lie. And may we have a heart that wants to run to you first before anything else so that way we can hear your words and go in peace. And Father, we, we just thank you this morning for this time. And I'm asking you in Jesus' name that our hearts would be so tender and that we would communicate to you this morning the things that you've put on our heart. We love you and we praise you for Jesus. And it's in his name I pray. Amen. If you would like some prayer time, there's going to be a some time to do that. Pastor Corey will be down here and just take this time to just tell the Lord how much you love him and maybe discuss some things with him. If there's some unbelief, maybe on your part, if maybe you're just struggling to believe him with something, just talk to him about that. Doesn't catch him off guard. He knows. But my friends, let's take this time to worship him and reflect on who he is.